We welcome you, those of you watching online and those of you downstairs in our traditional worship service. It's so awesome to be worshiping together. Welcome today. I'm excited as we continue in our sermon series called Happy, in which we've been talking about what it looks like to be happy. We've had a couple of rough years with the pandemic and all the other things happening in the life of our world. And so we're trying to figure out how we can be happy from both a biblical theological standpoint as well as from a scientific standpoint. And we're going to wrap up the series next week, but I want to go ahead and kind of give you kind of a, maybe a top five ways that we can be happy from a scientific and a biblical standpoint. And just want to throw these out to you. We've talked a lot about this. One of them is to get social, right? Science and theology, Bible all agree that to be happy, we have to be in relationships. Relationships are the most important thing in life relationships with God, relationships with one another. And so happiness involves other people and God. And you can check some of that out in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Another thing that we can do to be happy is to give thanks. A lot of times when we're unhappy, we're, we're just talking about all the things that aren't going right in our lives. And so to be happy, to focus on what, what are the good things that are happening in my life and to give God thanks for that and to, and to be grateful. When we're being grateful, it's harder not to be happy. So First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Uh, the Bible and science also teach us to live in the moment. So many of us say that I was happy when, and we look in the past and say, I was sure happy back then, or we look to the future and say, I'm going to be happy when, when I get married, when I graduate, when I have a baby. But we've got to figure out how to be happy in the moment. Now, not all moments are going to be great and, 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 and rejoiceable, but if we can't be happy in the moment, we're not going to be happy in the future. And odds are, if we look back in the past, things were good then, but we also had troubles in the past that we tend to forget about. So we have to learn to live in the moment. We can be happy now. Matthew 6, 34. Also, the Bible and science teach us that it's important to take care of our physical bodies. They, they matter about our happiness, right? We need rest and we need movement. We need to take care of our bodies. In the Bible, in Genesis 2, 3, it says that God even rested. After he created everything, God took time to rest. If we're not resting, we're not going to be happy. And that 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, that our bodies are temples for God to live in, right? And so we got to take care of those. And if we take care of our bodies, that helps us be more happy. And finally, uh, to be kind from Luke 6, 35. We're going to look at some of that next week. So this is kind of a big picture. Five things to consider. Think or pray about. Maybe take a picture of that. Go look up these scriptures. When you're in a bad mood or something, pull this out. These are five areas that science, theology, and the Bible kind of all overlap. Well, today, I want to focus a little more narrowly. That's some big picture stuff right there. I want to focus a little more narrowly today. And yesterday, my son, Nathan, we had his 10th birthday party, right? He moved from single digits to double digits, right? That's kind of bittersweet, like he's growing up. And so we had like 20 kids in our backyard playing football and trampoline and zipline and all this kind of stuff. And it was a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work to get everything ready for that. So Laura and I, before the party started, kicked our boys, Luke and Nathan, out of the house and said, don't come back in the house. And they're like... We can't even come in our own house. We live here. Like, yes, that's right. You can't come in. We've got to be good hosts, and we've got to get ready. We had the whole good host discussion with our boys. Well, today we're going to dive into Scripture where uh, Jesus is going to be welcomed into a home. Uh, and there's two sisters there. They're going to host him, and they each have a different way of being a good host. And I want, as we read this scripture, I want you to think about who do you identify with most in this story, right? There's, there's two sisters and there's Jesus. Where do you see yourself in this? And they're gonna, one of them's going to pose a question to Jesus, and let's see what he might say about that. All right, so here we go. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She was going to be a host. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. So Jesus comes up. These two women welcome into his home. In first century uh, Israel, it would have been customary for the women to do all of this work. I know that's, that's kind of sexist today in the 21st century, but that was their job. And if Jesus had any men with him, they would sit at his feet and he would teach them. And so Martha's being a good cultural host for her situation and time and space and all that kind of stuff. And she gets mad at her sister Mary because she's not doing the hostess stuff. She's not buzzing around and cleaning stuff and cooking or whatever it is that they're doing. And Mary takes the role of a man and sits at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's mad about this. So in this story, who maybe would you identify with? Would you be the Martha? we got to do it the right way. Mary's maybe bending the rules a little bit. You're the host. uh, Jesus is the guest there. And what do you think Jesus is going to say to Martha's question? Well, just put that in the back of your mind. We're going to come back to that in just a few minutes, and it's all going to relate to what we're getting ready to do. But right now, we're going to shift gears. I'm going to show you a video, and it's going to ask you to do a task, okay? But it's going to be complicated because it's going to be kind of a lot of stuff moving on the screen. So focus on this task and see how many of us can get it right. Ready? Let's watch this. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. Correct answer is 16 passes. Did you spot the gorilla? For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. And that's the monkey business illusion. Count how many times the player passed the ball. How many of you saw the gorilla? Nobody. How many of you saw the curtain change? Two people? Three people? How many people saw the player go out? Isn't that amazing? We're all watching something right in front of our eyes, and we missed it. How many of you got the 16 right? You counted the passes, right? Because we were focusing on that, isn't it? Right? The first time they did this video, they just had the gorilla, right? You're passing the balls, white and black team passing the balls, and a gorilla walks in, you know, bounds his chest, right? They did a scientific study. Half the people did not see the gorilla, right? 
a gorilla comes on the screen, bangs his chest, waves its arms, and half the people looking at the gorilla didn't see the gorilla. And we just did that in person as well, right? I hope traditional, maybe you did a little better than we did. We miss things, right? The point of this is, in everyday life, we see things right in front of us that we miss. Because the only things that we really see are what we focus on. So as we think about being happy in life, how many things that would make us happy are staring us in the face and we're looking right past them, we don't even see them? How many millions, billions of things that are happening in our lives are staring at us right in the face and we miss them because we're not focusing on them? That is frightening. Right? And it's, it's, it's kind of hard to know, right, what we're missing, right? If, if our brains don't see what we're missing, how do we know what we're missing, right? So our, our brains are kind of against us in a way in this. It's kind of like that philosophical question, how do you know if the light on the inside of a refrigerator is on or off if the door's closed, right? <laughs> you just, how do we know what we're missing if we don't know what we're missing, right? So we're going to, to figure out how to see things in front of us, we're going to have to do some work. We're going to talk about that today. How can we begin to see the things that we're missing? All these things that could be making us happy, staring us right in the face like a big gorilla, how can we do that? But not only are our brains kind of working against us, but we also work against ourselves by some of the distractions that we have and we build into our lives on a day-to-day basis. I want to take you back to 2007 when a man named Steve Jobs, you guys know who Steve Jobs is, we've got a picture of him here. Um, Actually, go back to that slide, I skipped right over that. Uh, Can you do that, Melissa? Intentional, inattentional blindness is what they call this, right? When we do not see the things that we do not actively pay attention to, right? So that's where you missed the gorilla, okay? All right, so jumping ahead to Steve Jobs. So in 2007, Steve Jobs, right, uh, the guy with Apple and all that kind of stuff, he was speaking at the Mac World Convention. Uh, And he said, uh, once in a generation or so, a company will come up and they will create a product that will change the world. He says it's a rare thing, it happens from time to time. But he said today, 2007, we're going to introduce three products that are going to revolutionize and change the world. And he said these three things are an iPod that plays music, a telephone, right, and an internet communicator. Three things, but he held up one. It was the very first iPhone, right, much smaller than my iPhone now, right? So he said, with this one device, it's going to do three things. It's going to change the world. And smartphones were born. Not just iPhones, but then Androids and all those other things. And Bill Gates was absolutely right. It has changed the world. A lot of things have good have come out of that, but also a lot of things that are kind of like the gorilla thing that distract us from seeing the good things that are right in front of us. There's some unintended consequences that have come since the introduction of the smartphone. Did you know that since the smartphone was, uh, was created, like almost immediately, the sales of chewing gum dropped by double-digit percentage points? You know why that is? Well, one, people could start ordering stuff from their homes, right? They didn't have to go to grocery stores, that sort of thing. But the other thing is that when people were in the checkout line where most gum is sold, right, at Target or at the grocery store, Publix or wherever, Harris Teeter, what are people doing in the checkout line? They're on their phones. Over 60% of people are on their phones in the checkout line, and so it has really hurt the sales of chewing gum, right? 
Even beyond that, remember the gorilla story that we showed, right? 50% of the people missed the gorilla in the video because they're not paying attention to the gorilla. A, a, a Yale professor, a colleague of Dr. Lori Santos that we've been studying, he also did another um, study like that. Instead of using people bouncing basketballs, he had a computer screen. He had these black and white dots and squares going across the screen, and you're supposed to count the number of black and white dots. And in the midst of that, he, he projects this huge, red, bright red cross, right? And it's just it's like the gorilla. And when people took that test, 30% did not see the cross, right? The big red cross that's jumping out, 30%, 3 out of 10 people didn't see it. Then he had people do that while they were on their phones. And guess what that number was? 90% of the people on their phones looking at the computer screen didn't see the big red cross. 90%. There are 6 billion smartphones in the world. What's 90% of 6 billion? 5.4 billion. 5.4 billion of us, when we're on our phone, miss things that are standing right in front of us. Right in front of us. 90% of us miss things that will make us happy in our lives because we're doing this all the time, right? Isn't that amazing? 90% of us are missing things right in front of us because of this phone, right? Something for us to think about. I want to keep going with um, a lady named Liz Dunn. She's a professor up in British Columbia in Canada, and she studied phones and use and stuff like that a lot, and she's she's found out a lot of interesting things about that. She says that 95% of us who own smartphones will pull it out in, in, in every social situation, right? 95% of us are pulling our phone out at some point in a social interaction. It's in our hand. We're looking at it, and it's distracting us. And so she began to study this and the negative impact that phones have on our level of happiness and interaction with others. And she found out some very interesting things that I want to share with you today. And one of her experiments... Um, she found out like what they did. They, they went into this restaurant, they bought a, they paid for a table and whoever sat at that table, they would pay for their meal if they would fill out a survey after the meal. And some of the people, they just let eat a meal. And some of the people, they asked them just to take your phone out and set it on the table, right? Just set it on the table and no one could call or whatever. They didn't know that, right? But they set the phone on the table and they found this out. At the end of the meal, the people who had no phones had a much higher uh, level of satisfaction and social interaction than the people who set the phone on the table, right? They didn't use it. It didn't ring. Just the presence of the phone on the table reduced people's happiness. Just the phone sitting there reduced people's social interaction. Just having a phone present out reduced people's happiness, right? That's powerful. Right? So then they did another experiment. This time, they offered people a free massage. Who wouldn't want a free massage, right? And so you go in, you get this free massage from a professional masseuse, and the only catch was you had to take your phone out and set it beside you. But in this case, they messed with them even a little bit more. They, they would send them notifications, right? And so the phone would start dinging, ding, ding, you know, or uh, it would start vibrating. And the deal was that they couldn't stop the massage to get the phone. Okay, so at the end of this experiment, those who had no phone in the room were much happier, much more relaxed, enjoyed the massage way more than the people who had the phone that was dinging or buzzing because the people getting the massage couldn't concentrate. They were wondering, who's that? What do they want? I got to answer the phone, right? I got to get that text. I got to get that phone call, right? So just the presence of that and the notifications and not being able to touch it 
was stressful for them. One more experiment that they did was they, they went with parents and their young children uh, to a science place, kind of like Discovery Place here, a science museum in Charlotte, and they gave a set of parents a phone. They gave the other set of parents didn't have a phone. At the end of the, the, end of the day, they, they asked them to fill out a survey. What was your interaction with your children like? Would you be surprised that those without phones had a better day, better interaction with their children than those who had phones, who had a worse day and a worse social interaction with their children? Now, don't miss the irony here. Right? These phones were created to bring us closer together, Right? But in reality, with the parents and the children, these things push the parents further apart, right? Don't miss the irony in that, right? There's something powerfully distracting about these phones. In fact, we can say with certainty that a mobile cell smartphone is the most distracting thing that's ever been created in the history of humankind. And why is that? Two reasons. One, because it's portable. You can take it anywhere, right? You can take it uh, with you to school. You can take it to work. You can take it uh, on the boat. You can take it in the bathtub if you want to. Like, there's studies that show people doing that. That's kind of weird. But you can take it anywhere. It's portable. And the other thing is, it can do whatever you want it to do, right? It's unlimited potential. You can read books. You can watch movies. You can watch TV shows. You can listen to music. You can shop. You can gossip. You can get news. You can take pictures. You can text. You can call. Right? There's so much you can do with it that it's just almost impossible to put down. But what the science has shown, what the theology shows, is that what suffers from the creation and the use of this is social interaction with people. Right? This destroys, erodes social interaction with people. The, the same lady that did those three experiments, she's got one more that I want to tell you about. They, uh, they took a group of strangers and put them like in a waiting room for like a doctor's office kind of visit like that. And one set had phones, one set didn't have phones. The, the group that had phones uh, smiled 30% less than the people that had no phones, right? People with no phones made eye contact. They looked at the people who were in the room. They were strangers, but they smiled, tried to make it a pleasant experience, right? So if the ones that had phones, 30% less interaction with those people in the room, 30% fewer smiles. Right? Again, 6 billion smartphones in the world. What's 30% of 6 billion? Roughly 2 billion people. 2 billion people smiling 30% less. Is there any wonder we're stressed? Is there any wonder that we're always upset in the world and not feeling happy? Right? All of these distractions from this great, amazing device that I use all the time myself, right? You don't want to see my screen time numbers, right? It's a major distraction. Right? So let's get back to Jesus and Mary and Martha, right? And see what they can teach us. They didn't have smartphones, right? But what can we learn from this story, right? So Jesus is there. He's with Mary and Martha, Martha's upset. Mary's not helping her out with the hospitality kind of stuff. And so she asks Jesus, can you get my sister to be a better host? So let's see what Jesus has to say about that. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Remember, she doesn't have a phone. Even without a phone, she's worried and distracted by very many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part. What's the better part? She's chosen to be with Jesus. Right? He's the guest. 
He wants time with her. Mary has chosen the better part. Martha's doing her job as a host. She's following the culture of the day, right? She's not sitting at Jesus' feet like the men should have done. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Don't lose sight of this word, distracted, right? The next slide shows you the Greek word that's behind that word, right? Periespato uh, in Greek means distraction, which means pulled or dragged in different directions. Let's leave that up for just a minute. How many of you feel pulled or dragged in many directions in your life outside of your technology, right? right? Thank you guys for raising your hands, right? Honest people, we feel pulled apart and distracted, right? Now add your, add your, add your phone into that. Add your tablet, add your computer, add your television screen. Add, how many of us feel that, right? Can you imagine Martha had a phone? Like she'd have probably had a, a stroke, right? Jesus, help me, make Mary do something, right? What did we do with the, the gorilla thing, right? We were counting. We were distracted counting those patches. We missed the gorilla. We missed the curtain change. We missed the person leave, right? 90% of people who were on their phones couldn't identify a huge red cross, right? We focus on the thing. We see the things that we focus on when we were distracted. We miss the things in the world that God has given us to make us happy, especially our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, right? So there's a lady named Catherine Price. She's another one of these scientific kind of writers. We actually met her a few uh, weeks ago. Do you guys remember the Funtervention sermon that we did? We talked about all the fun stuff. Like, she's the one that came up with that. She also has done a lot of work with, with uh, smartphones. And she wrote the book, How to Break Up with Your Phone, which is my sermon title today, right? How to Break Up with Your Phone. And she came up with some ways that we can try to combat just this oppression that our phones have over our lives. And these are a few things that she said. The first are, are kind of easy, kind of smartphone hacks, if you will, right? Turn off your notifications, right? Remember the person in the massage, right? Going crazy because the phone's dinging or whatever. Make your phone look boring. Change it to grayscale color, right? Uh, delete the tempting apps on your phone, right? The social media apps, the, the gaming apps, the funny little kitty video apps kind of thing like that. Uh, and keep only the necessary tools on your home screen. Um, if you don't like it, you can always reset it, right? right just to experiment with it. Uh, and the other thing is monitor your screen time. Like I have an iPhone, and you can go to screen time, and it tells you how much you use your phone every day. And when I do that, it's disheartening how many, how many hours are on the phone. Now, a lot of it's church, right? Church emails and phone calls and that kind of stuff and texts. It's not just me surfing the internet. It's frightening to see what the screen time is. But she says, even beyond this, there's things that we can do that are more effective. One of them is the practice of mindfulness, where we actually think about what we're doing with our phone while we're doing it. And she referenced a study about a, a, a professor that studied mindfulness and people who are trying to quit smoking cigarettes. And so what he did was he took a control group and he asked them questions like, what does it feel like to smoke a cigarette? What does it feel like to crave a cigarette? What does it feel like if you don't smoke the cigarette for five minutes, right? There's no judgment on this, but just write down what you're feeling. He asked them all these kind of mindful questions. Um, so they would be thinking about, why am I doing this? Is this the right use of my time and my money? One of the participants said that she, she's like a lifelong smoker. She said, you know, in all the smoking that I've ever done in my life, she said, I've never tasted a cigarette. 
I just smoke it. I smoke the next one. I just suck it down, right? It's just, this is habit for me. I'm never, so in this mindfulness stuff, he asked me to, to taste a cigarette. She's like, for the first time in years of smoking, I truly tasted a cigarette. And it was disgusting. It made me want to throw up. And she never smoked again, right? Just this, this mindfulness, thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And they found out that the people who went through the mindfulness and tried to quit smoking against the people who didn't do that, the ones who went through the mindfulness questions and exercises, they were five times as successful as quitting as those who did not, right? When we think about it, right? So what I want you to maybe think about doing is being mindful of what's happening uh, with your smartphone use, okay? Every time you pick up your phone, every time you pick up your phone, ask yourself, Three questions, and think about it as www, like, like an internet thing, www dot, right? So the first one is, what for? What did I pick the phone up for to do? Am I calling somebody? Am I just sitting here bored and I want to see what the sports score is? What have I picked this phone up for today, right? To ask ourselves those mindful questions, right? And the second question would be, why now? Why did I pick the phone up now, right? Do I need this for, my, do I need this for work or... Am I sitting in a restaurant by myself? My date's not here yet. I feel like a dork. I want to be on my phone, right? I feel socially awkward. Or it's just it's such a habit. I got to check social media. It's been five minutes. Why am I doing this, right? Like, why am I putting this in my hand? And the third question, what else could I be doing right now instead? Could I be spending time with my kids? Could I be actually doing my work? <laughs> Could I be doing something that's on my list? Could I be doing something that I, I would love to do, but I say I never have time for, right? If we look at our screen time and we say, what else we could be doing? What could you do with those hours that you're spending on a device that you say you're too busy to do or you're stressed out because your chores are like a, a laundry list long, right? So three questions, right? What for? Why now? What else? WWW. Catherine Price, the lady who wrote this book, How to Break Up With My Phone, says do that for a month, 30 days, and it will change the way that you live your life with your devices. Change the way that you live with your devices. And she says, right, what we're talking about is how we spend our time and our attention. And she says time and attention are like money. There's a limited amount of time, a limited amount of attention, and everybody's trying to take both of them from us, right? Well, actually, all three. They're trying to take our money. They're trying to take our attention. Hey, look at me. Right? And so, right? So, that's what she said, right? So, there's a limited amount of time and attention and money, and everyone's trying to take that from us. But she says time and attention are different than money because when money goes away, you can always get more money. You can earn more money, right? You can get money back. But with time, you can't get it back. It's gone, right? There's no time travel that's been invented. Time is gone. And the attention that you didn't pay to someone or something, you can't get, back that, can't get that back either. That, that has gone away, right? So time and attention are more precious than money because you can't get either one of them back, right? So again, all those gorillas staring us in the face, all these great opportunities with people in our lives and sunsets and great beautiful things, we don't see 90% of the time because we got this in our hand, right? There, uh, the lady that was talking about this, she, um, she talked about this concept called fubbing. Have you ever heard of that? You take the word phone, the PH, and then you add the word snub, like, like you snub someone, you walk by, you ignore them, right? Fubbing says that many of us suffer from fubbing, which means that we're sitting in a room with somebody and we're ignoring them because we're on our phone. 
I've done this to my wife. I'm sorry, honey. Like, I, I do it. Like, I did it the other day, right? You, now, sometimes you do it on purpose because you don't want to talk to some stranger that's sitting across from you, right, or some annoying person. But fubbing hurts the person on the other side of the phone, right? It's something that we suffer from. We can't get that time back. We can't get that attention back, right? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. From science, from theology, starve your distractions and feed your focus. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the people that you love in your life. Focus on the beautiful nature that God has given us. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Or as Jesus says it, choose the better part. You're distracted and stressed and worried by many things, but Jesus says choose the better part. Your phone will take up as many hours as you give it, as many hours as you give it. Right, starve your distractions, feed your focus. So a couple of things I'd like to think, get you to think about this week, some action steps. One is, what gorillas am I missing in my life? Right? I watched a video today. There was a big gorilla right in front of me. I didn't see it because I was focusing on something else. What are you missing out on in life that can make you happy because you're focused on a screen? Right? What are you missing out on in life because you're focused on a screen? What are the gorillas, the good gorillas that are in your life staring you right in the face? that you don't see because you're on your phone, right? Second thing is cultivate a healthy relationship with your phone, right? For those of us who use phones, there's no way we're going to get rid of it altogether, right? So we got to cultivate a healthier relationship. And I know some of you are not addicted to your phones, but I know that you know people who are, and you can help them with this message, right? And if it's not a phone, maybe to, to, to use the word computer, laptop, television, right? tablet? What, what is it that you're addicted to that distracts you from being able to see the things that God's giving you in your life, right? Again, we ask the questions, what for, why now, what else, right? Do that for 30 days, right? Turn off your phone. Remember that experiment where they just put the phone on the table and it made the experience worse, didn't ring, wasn't a notification, just the physical presence of your phone is reducing your happiness. Scientifically proven, Turn it off, leave it in the other room, sit in the room with the people you want to be with. Right? Something to think about, right? And also, monitor your screen time, right? Look at the apps on your Androids, on your iPhones. How much did I use my phone today? How much did I talk to my kids today? How much did I talk to my parents today? How much did I talk with my friends today, right? Look at that screen time. Like, mine horrifies me, honest to goodness, right? It's hours, hours every day. Right, and what could you do with that time? Now, the lady, um, one more stat. Let's just go and show you this. This is a frightening stat. This is from Parent Q. We use their resources to teach our children in, in children's ministries here in the church. Listen to this statistic. Families spend only 37 minutes of quality time together each day. 37 minutes of quality time with your family each day. Hours with this, 37 minutes with your family. You know how many minutes there are in a day? Check this out. 1,440 total minutes in a day. Right? 37 minutes with your kids, with your spouse, with your parents, with your brother, sister. If you, if you don't live with your immediate family, you could probably put your friends in that total, right? 37 minutes, which means 1,403 non-quality family time minutes in your life. 
And we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why our families are falling apart, why marriages are falling apart, why our kids are destroying themselves, right? Because we love these. These have become idols in a biblical term. 37 minutes with your family, quality time, 1,403 minutes, not with your family. So the lady, Catherine Price, that wrote this book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, you know why she did that? This is the story that she tells, what got her attention about how her phone addiction was just ruining her life. She and her husband were redeveloping their home, redeveloping their home, and they just had a newborn, a little girl, a little infant girl, and uh, they had been spending a lot of time on eBay trying to buy stuff to fix up their home. So they've been doing a lot of time doing that. They finally finished building their home. They got all the knobs and stuff on. And uh, the baby is, you know, loving the baby, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the baby's getting up at all hours of the night. Those of us parents, right, we understand that. The baby's getting up. And Catherine Price goes in to check on her daughter who's in the crib. And there's the little girl. And, you know, she's crying or she's gooing. She's, she's looking up at her mom. And Catherine Price is like, you know what I was doing? I was carrying my phone in to check my daughter. And while she was looking up at me, I was looking on eBay at knobs for cabinets that I'd already bought. When babies are that young, they can only see two feet in front of them to focus because God made it so that they will focus on their caregivers, on their mother or their father, so they will bond. And Catherine Price, instead of bonding with her daughter, was looking on eBay at stuff she'd already bought and didn't need any more of. And she looked down at her daughter and it hit her like a ton of bricks. And she's like, I can't do this to my daughter anymore. Dangerous stuff that we have. It's incredibly powerful and does some awesome things. Brothers and sisters, what are you missing in your life? What are you missing in your life that can make you happy because you're staring at a screen? Starve your distractions. Feed your focus with God and people and the things that matter looking right at us in our lives. Starve your distractions. Feed your focus. Choose the better part. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, it's kind of shocking that we can watch a video and something walks right in front of us as big as a gorilla, and we can't even see it, God. It just it shows how focused our minds and our eyes are that there's so much that you've created and given to us that we miss, that's staring us right in the face. And God, our brains are kind of sabotaging us, and then we sabotage ourselves with technology and, and good things, right? Phones and, and screens do good things in the world, Lord, but they also distract us. And just like Martha, Lord, who was sitting right in front of you, she couldn't see that you were her Lord and, and you were in her presence, God. And this was a once-in-a-lifetime-like opportunity to have Jesus Christ sitting in your house, Lord. How many of us are like Martha? You've given us a blessing. You've given us somebody. You, you've given us people in our lives. You've given us opportunities. You've given us the, the beautiful scenery of nature, God. There's so many positive things in our lives, and we don't see it, Lord, when it's staring us in the face. And we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why our families are stressed. We wonder why our marriages are falling apart. We wonder about our relationships with friends that we just don't seem to be connecting with anymore, God. But we're not going to miss anything on Netflix. 
We're going to see what's on Hulu or CNN, Lord, or Fox News, Lord. We got it in our phone. We're not going to miss the next TikTok or Facebook or tweet. And God, there's goodness in those things, and we don't want to berate all of that. But it's all about priorities, and it's all about balance, Lord. And so we just ask that you would help us to take a serious look at our addiction to our screens. And Lord, free us from that to open our eyes, to see there are better things right in front of us, that our families and our friends deserve more than 37 minutes of our attention each day. God, help us to focus and not be distracted, to find happiness in you and one another. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.